It's great to be back with all of our listeners today on Search the Scriptures. Good to be with you. Glad to know you're there. And you know, we do hear from many of our listeners one way or another. Many of you have called us or contacted us through email or, or uh, you have in many cases visited with us in person in the Omaha area. And those in other parts of the country where this is heard, you contact us again through the mail or give us a phone call or email, and we just appreciate every one of you who are listening to this program on a regular basis. If you're listening for the first time, we're thankful that you're there. And we hope and we pray that you will be impressed with the fact that what we do on this program is exactly what the name of the program suggests. We search the scriptures, we get into God's word, we dig deep, we look at it in detail, and yet we try to explain the teachings of the Bible in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your personal life on an ongoing basis. Our prayers are that as you're learning more and more from God's word, that your faith is growing stronger and stronger, and that as your faith grows stronger, that you're coming closer to God and that you're becoming equipped to the point that you're going to make up your mind soon to come to him all the way through Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him as your Lord and Savior and God's Son, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins, beginning at that point to walk that new life in Christ, that life of rebirth spiritually, that life in which you have become a new creation spiritually. Our prayers are with you and our prayers are for you. We're thankful that you're there. At the end of the program today, we're going to tell you how to contact us and ask for a free Bible study that we always offer. It is absolutely free. We don't charge anybody for it. We never charge anybody for studying God's word. And in fact, we pay the postage both ways. I know that many religious programs will make offers to you and they will suggest that you give some kind of a contribution or make something they call a love offering and then they'll send such and such to you. Well, that doesn't sound free to us. We want to help you learn the Bible. We want to help you be able to understand God's word better. We mean free. Don't send us anything. Just ask for the study. We'll send it to you. And again, we'll take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program or any of the programs on Search the Scriptures for free. We'll put them on CD, send them to you, and again, we'll take care of the postage. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and at the end of the program today, we'll give you the, the, give you the information by which you can contact us and you can ask for those study materials. The inconsistencies of man concerning religion. Man is at his most illogical self, perhaps, when it comes to religion, when it comes to his spiritual life. You know, direction in life revolves around certain logical principles, and we accept these principles on a ready basis, without question. We have observed their truth and their accuracy so often and in such a common level and, and basis that we don't even think about them most of the time. When it comes to religion, however, when it comes to our spiritual life, 
we throw away those principles. Again, we understand certain things have to happen in order for a certain ultimate uh, action to take place. You're going to get in your car and you're going to drive to work tomorrow morning perhaps. Well, you get in your car, what do you have to do? You've got to make sure the key is in the ignition. Or if you have a remote start, you have to make sure that you've got it ready. And you either have to, one way or another, either by turning the key or pressing the right button, you've got to start the ignition. You don't start the ignition, you don't go anywhere. Even when you start the ignition, what do you have to do next? You've got to put it into gear. If you don't put it into gear, you're just going to set still and your engine's going to run and you will eventually run out of gas in your gas tank. You won't go anywhere. You understand those things. Those are principles that have to take place and they're so common, you've observed them and participated in, in them on such a common and continual basis, you don't even think about what you're doing most of the time, at least not much. But when it comes to religion, when it comes to our spiritual lives, we, we think there's no rules, basically. No principles apply as to what constitutes correctness, what a person must do in order to be saved, how we ought to worship God, whether or not there is even any rule to go by, for some reason, we just kind of think nothing applies. None of these things matter. There is no standard by which we should operate when it comes to being right with God. Oh, we would say we need to believe in him, but once you get past that initial statement, then it's pretty much whatever we feel like, whatever we want to do, whatever seems good to us. Many people believe and they live their lives on the basis of their belief that one church is as good as another church and no church is as good as any church, a lot of people would say. Well, let me ask you a question. Do we live the rest of our life by a principle that says one specific within a general classification of things is as good as any other specific within that same classification of things? You might be scratching your head and saying, I'm not sure what you're getting at. Well, let me put it down into some specific applications. Is a Chevy as good as a Mercedes? Is a Mini as good as a Corvette? They're all cars. Is a one-room house with no indoor plumbing or any kind of heating system as good as a three-bedroom home with all of the customary conveniences. They're both houses. Let me ask you this. Is a $1 bill as good as a $100 bill? <laughs> I can hear your answers, but they're both money. Is a pair of eyeglasses with somebody else's prescription 
as good as your eyeglasses with your personal prescription. They're both eyeglasses, but you can see out of one, can't you? And everything will be blurry when you try to use the other one. Well, is spinach as good as chocolate cake? How about cooked beets? Are they as good as strawberries? Is liver as good as a T-bone steak? <laughs> They're all food, though. How about when it comes to schooling? And the student goes through the course of studies. He takes his exams, goes through the final exam, and he gets his course book or report card or his grades, however they're assigned. Is an F as good as an A? They're both grades. But you know, I bet if that fifth grader takes his grades home to mama and daddy and they're all F's, I think they'll have a talk with him, don't you? And I don't think they're going to sit down and tell him how proud they are of those wonderful grades that he got. They're all failing, but they're still grades. How about if he takes home his grades and he's got three A's and three F's for his different courses? Do you think they're going to slap him on the back and give him a big hug and tell him, what a great job you did in all of your classes? Now, they might do that for the classes in which he got three A's, but you don't think they're going to make a distinction between the A's and the F's in his other courses? Well, of course they will, but they're all grades. Is one person as good to make friends with? Let's say a thief, maybe a drug addict, maybe an alcoholic, maybe a murderer. Would that person be as good to make friends with as another? Someone who is a good person, exemplary in his conduct, a good, faithful, dedicated Christian? They're all people. We know the answers to all of these questions, don't we? To all of these comparisons, the answers are obvious. Well, of course, a Chevy is not on the standard of a Mercedes. A Mini does not compare to a Corvette, even though they're both cars. We know that that one-room house with no indoor plumbing or any heating system is not up to par with a three-bedroom home with all of the customary conveniences, even though they're both houses, they don't compare. We certainly would not go around trying to buy something with a $1 bill that's going to come close to $100 in cost, even though both bills constitute money. We understand that. And we understand that if we need eyeglasses, we're going to get the prescription that we need and not try to wear somebody else's eyeglasses with their prescription. It's not going to work well. But they're both eyeglasses. 
and we understand, each one of us, that we have certain foods that we like and other foods that, well, we don't like so much. And to us, the one is not as good as the other, even though they're all food. And we certainly understand that there makes that there's a big difference between a failing grade and a passing grade or a grade of excellence in any endeavor, including in school. And we know that it makes a difference between people of good, moral, upstanding character and people who are the dregs of society, immoral, ungodly, always in trouble. It makes a difference between which ones we make friends with, we build relationships with, even though they're all people. We understand the principle there. Why then do we ignore this principle when it comes to religion, when it comes to our spiritual life? In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, when Jesus was asking his apostles, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He'd been out teaching for a period of time by this point. He'd been with his apostles for a period of time by this point. He wanted some feedback from them. And so they answered him. Some say John the Baptist. Some Elijah. And others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. This is who some people are saying that you are. And then he turned the question to them, and he said, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say also to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, Jesus said he would build his church. Not somebody else's church. Not any old kind of church, but his church. Now, people who say, well, one church is as good as another church. No church is as good as any church. Read that verse again. One of the central reasons why Jesus came to this earth was to build or establish his church. It needs to be his church. Now that would be a church then would, that would conform to his teachings. You see, it makes a difference what we believe or what we teach or what we practice. Truth is truth and truth is narrow. It's not a matter of what we think or what we feel or what we desire, what we want to be true. It is a matter of what is true. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So if we're going to follow Jesus, then we need to make sure that we're a part of his church, the church that he came to establish. You see, it makes a difference because it's his church. It conforms to his teaching. It gives him the glory according to his teaching. 
And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, the text tells us that he adds those who are coming to salvation to his church. So it makes a big difference. Now, his church is his body, and he is its only head. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 22, the Apostle Paul wrote, And he, speaking of God, put all things under his feet, speaking of Christ, and gave him, Christ, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the church is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the church. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul says, He, Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence or the first place of honor. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is its only head. There is no body in this world who is the head of the church. There is no body in this world who can rightly claim to be the head of the church. Now, I don't care how many people might look to somebody and say, well, that's the head of the church, or that's the head of our church, or how many have followed certain individuals as the heads of their church, and all of those individuals are from this world, humankind. Christ is the only head of the church, and there is no authority in Scripture to appoint anybody else as the head of the church. The church is his body. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, we read, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Christ gave his life on that cross for the church. Now I know he, he went to that cross as the redeemer for all mankind who would turn to him in faithful and, and faithfulness and repentance and obedience. But not everybody does that. Those who do come to him in faithfulness and repentance and obedience, those end up being baptized into him for the remission of their sins. And at that point, Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 again, he adds them to his church. He gave himself for the church, those who had become Christians, those who had become his faithful, dedicated, obedient followers. Now, if he adds the saved to the church, to which church do you think he adds the saved? To any old church? Just to some church? Just to a church? Again, think logically. Look at the principles that you accept without even thinking about them. They're so obvious in every other area of your life and come to the obvious conclusion. The Lord adds the saved to his church. His church. Again, it seems, and the devil has been so skillful in this, when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to our 
religious thinking, he has been so skillful in clouding the issues for us, in somehow confusing us or guiding us in such a way that we confuse ourselves to the point that we think there are no specifics. There is no absolute truth. There is no one way. Again, what did Jesus say? In Matthew chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14, he said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way not the ways, plural, but the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way, singular, which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Well, that narrow gate, that narrow way, is the way of truth. Truth is narrow. And Jesus says there is a way in order to get to heaven, in order to to find eternal life in him. It is the way of truth. It is the narrow way. There is a way, not a multitude of ways. Now I know that again, the devil's been skillful in getting a whole lot of people to think that almost any old way is okay. We know that that's not the case. If you're going to travel to a destination that's down south someplace, you don't go north to get there. You don't go east to get there. You don't go west to get there. You don't go northeast or northwest to get there. You go south. The other directions are not even a question mark in your mind. You know you've got to go in the right direction. The same principle is true when it comes to following Christ, when it comes to getting to heaven, to walking with God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. John 14 and verse 6. You need to follow God, his way. You need to come to him, his way. You need to submit your will to his will. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. You can ask for that free Bible study that will show you God's way to eternal salvation and eternal life. We don't charge you anything for that study. We want to send it to you free, and we'll take care of the postage. Don't pass up this opportunity. Contact us right away.